a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are my friends Matt and Liz. And the special guest tonight, uh, Multiversity Podcast Maven, co-host of the DC3 cast with me, as well as Multiversity Manga Club with Walt and Emily. Uh, it's our friend Zach Wilkerson. Hello, Zach. Hey. Thank you for clowning around with us tonight. Oh, I love to clown. I, I know you do. So <laughs> we, we are here to discuss... Uh, season two of The Mandalorian, and there's a couple of, of big things we're going to get to, but just overall, what did you guys think of season two? Zach, as the guest, I'm going to start with you. I really, really liked it. I loved parts of it, but I enjoyed it in the same way that I think you enjoy like a really amusing theme park or like amusement ride how so i mean it was basically like an amusement park ride <laughs> it was like <laughs> star wars expanded universe greatest hits mm. Mm. that's fair actually mm. even not even expanded universe it was it was like star wars greatest hits or <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It was a nostalgia trip. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I also, I, I have some thoughts about that that I guess I'll save for a little bit later. Liz, what did you overall think of this second season? I really enjoyed the second season. Um, I Dare I say more than the first season? I might need some time to think about that to let it settle in. Um I, I, I agree, I think, maybe with what Zach said in some sense. Um, but also, I feel like it opened up those sort of greatest hits to, uh, I don't know, uh, people that maybe weren't too familiar with the greatest hits, too. Mm. That, that, that is a very fair point. Um, yeah. Mm. And, and there's one thing in particular I want to sort of come back to about that. But again, I'm going to keep this moving. Matt, what did you think of the second season? I liked it. Um, I thought Grogu was cuter than in season one. Um, if possible, I do how, think... how do we how do we even how do we even quantify that? Um, blue cookies. <laughs> That's true. Okay. That he spits up on his little uh, little coat there, <laughs> yeah. responding uh, to his name. Yes. <laughs> oh. Everyone with a dog was like, "Oh, I know that moment." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wrote about this in one of my reviews that it was very much like an Anyang from uh, Arrested Development moment. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, also him, um, him trying to rewire the ship. So uh, okay. Oh yes. <laughs> but I, th I think Liz brings up a really good point. Where for me watching it, I was like, "Oh, season one was great because it was so different," but this season felt very much similar to things that I'd seen before. But for a lot of people, that was the first Ahsoka. They still don't know who Thrawn is. They've never seen a Death Trooper before. Um, so I could... Or Dark Troopers, not Death Troopers. Um, so I could see Liz's point where, although it felt very similar to things that I've experienced before, it still was really new to a lot of people. So... 
yeah, I'm gonna have to think about that one. But I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I think I liked this season maybe a little bit less than last season. But I will say that I th- so one of the things I've been saying since the show, I guess it's about halfway through the last season, I've been saying this is the most consistent Star Wars has ever been. I think that the Mandalorian episode to episode is as consistent as any Star Wars media ever. And that means that the highs maybe don't quite reach as high as the best film moments to me, um, or maybe even the best Rebels moments yet. But there's there's also no episode of The Mandalorian as bad as like a Jar Jar episode of Clone Wars, or or as or as, or as bad as of, as Rise of Skywalker, right? Like it's all it's all sort of level. Um, and I think that this season the highs were even higher than last season, but I do think that there's a little bit of the, sort of the greatest hits album feel to it. Uh, but I think that Matt and Liz brought up a really good point about just sort of, it might feel like a greatest hits album to us who, you know, the, the, the sophisticated star Wars fan, uh, I'm kidding about that, but you know, um, <laughs> you know, just the, you know, just the, the people who have been exposed to this stuff before. Um, yeah. I like, I like the album comparison because I really do feel like, um, Season two is like a collection of like the best singles of Star Wars mm-hmm. and like each one on their own individually are great, but all together they're, they're maybe not, you know, greater than the sum of their parts. Whereas I feel like the first season was just an album that, you know, is maybe not all bangers, but as is like a very strong, cohesive whole, like it's an album that you want to listen to from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, but I, I started keeping a little tally earlier today when I was prepping for the episode of the things that were brought in from other media. So in the first episode, we had Cobb Vanth having the Mandalorian, having Boba Fett's armor, which is from the Aftermath trilogy. We have obviously Bo-Katan and Ahsoka coming in from Clone Wars. We have a discussion of Project Cinder which is something from both the video games and the novels. We have Thrawn, who was technically introduced in the 90s in novels. Mm. Um, you know, the, uh, When were the Dark Troopers first introduced, Matt? Do you remember? Are they comic book? Are I, they... I think they're the Dark Forces video games. Okay. I, I want to... I'm not positive. I know that they are, like, in that, but I don't know if that's their first thing, their right. first appearance. Yeah. But, you know, so there there are all of these, like, disparate parts of Star Wars coming together. And I think yeah. that that was all done very purposely. And, and it's interesting because when you think about it, so they finished filming this season in March. This was not affected filming-wise by the pandemic. And that means that the scripts must have been written before The Rise of Skywalker tanked. Mm. Like critically tanked, rather. Like it, it made a billion dollars, whatever. Like it, they're <laughs> yeah. fine. It, it, it was fine. <laughs> no one yeah. at Disney. They're won. not gonna. Re, they're not gonna retcon it using the world between worlds. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, like be, before the sort of critical and fan reaction to that movie was known, and so that that means one of two things. That means that either they knew that it was going to be, um that it was going to maybe not go over so well, and this was sort of the fail-safe for that, or they felt like this was continuing the theme of The Rise of Skywalker. Because J.J. Abrams had said a number of times he really wanted The Rise of Skywalker to connect all nine Star Wars films. That he wanted it to be something that 
drew from the prequels as much as it drew from the original trilogy as much from the sequel trilogy and he failed at that like he fell on his face failed about that but <laughs> but this kind of feels like that done right mm-hmm. because it really does i mean especially when you bring luke into it yeah it's really drawing from like all corners of star wars and i think in a way that's very cool but i also think that if they keep going in this direction, it could dilute the it could dilute what the Mandalorian is, and I think people love the tone of the show. And the problem with bringing in all this other stuff is it does somewhat change that tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I seem to remember us talking about in the first season how a major characteristic of the show was that there was no mention of Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and yeah. really, no mention of any. You could almost watch The Mandalorian, having never watched Star Wars before, mm-hmm. and not been that lost. Yeah, and it it was the appearance of the dark saber, um, and like the reference to Mandalore that really kind of started tying things together. But even then, the pieces didn't fit right. It all felt like something in and of itself. We're here. Everything is fitting together much, much more neatly um, in a way that, again, in some ways feels very Star Wars, um, where first season just didn't. It felt like something else, um, which I'm not saying it's losing its charm, but it is definitely a different path forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of how to articulate this, but I, I wonder if this season was a necessary bridge to all of the new stuff that we talked about last time. Like, the fact that there's going to be two... Man- now we know there's going to be three Mandalorian spinoffs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if this season was necessary to plant the seeds for all those other shows and if next season will return a little bit more to the consistent tone of the first season. Yeah, it it, it did very much feel like, um, I don't know, some of the, I guess, third quarter seasons of a supernatural, you could tell they're just like digging for spinoff ideas, (laughs) like trying to see what sticks to the wall. Um, Yeah. It, I kind of hate that it was that, but it definitely is the springboard to its own wider universe and in doing that kind of sacrifice itself. Yes. Um, but, but it also did still build out on the first season in some really interesting ways. I think like particularly it, it did things really organically. Like we, we now understand why did and all of those Mandalorians had to wear their helmets you know, through interacting mm-hmm. with Bo-Katan. We um, know a little bit more about Grogu through interacting with Ahsoka. Um, and so I, I do think that even though it is kind of like a nostalgia trip, I do think that they use those things in a really smart way that for the most part service the story. Yeah, it, it does seem like there was, you know, a, a plan between seasons, which, which is nice to see after 
the last maybe three Star Wars movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was you know, a concrete plan. And, and in some sense, I, I don't mean to skip to the end here, but it felt like there was some sort of satisfactory ending to season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, with the exception of one big thing. Ooh, okay. Which we'll, yeah, which we'll talk, I, about, I, which yes. we'll talk about. I feel like this could have been a series finale. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like I, yeah. I think for the most part, you know, the at the end of the first episode, at the end of the pilot, you see what the path for the show is, right? It's Din and Grogu, even though we didn't know either of their names at, the, at that point. It was the Mandalorian and the child. That was, you saw that was where the series was going. And this wraps up that story. Not forever, maybe, but for now it wraps up that story. And ultimately, everybody else that we encountered on on this journey was in service of that story. Even mm-hmm. though even though they are going to spin off in multiple directions, I, I think that ultimately all of those interactions, like Zach said, did have a purpose to carry the Din and Grogu story along. Yeah, just, it, it didn't feel arbitrary, um, which I feel is the we've called Star Wars a lot on this podcast at its worst is just arbitrary mentions of things, arbitrary, you know, fan service um, and arbitrary decisions. I do think it did feel purposeful, even at times where you're like, oh, okay, but it did. I think you're right. Yeah. It served a greater purpose. So before we started recording, we identified sort of four bullet points we wanted to talk about. And so let's jump into the first one, which is Ahsoka. Now, um, for anybody who has listened to the show for a long time, Matt is um, the probably the biggest Clone Wars fan I know, or if not mm-hmm. number one, maybe number two. But Matt is, and Zach is probably right behind Matt in that area. Liz just recently completed watching the Clone Wars, and is how far are you into Rebels now, Liz? Um, I'm going to say just about four or five episodes. Oh, okay. So, so you're still mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Um, and you know, so all of us have an affinity for Ahsoka, and I think all of us. We're excited to see her, but maybe had different levels of trepidation for for what that was going to be like. And so, um, Zach, again, I'm going to start with you because we talked about this a little bit last week on our uh, Disney Investors Call episode. What did you think of, um, you know, Rosario Dawson's performance as Ahsoka in this series? I thought she did a, a good job. Um, you know, there is still the part of me that's really disappointed to see the role kind of move on from Ashley Eckstein, even though I understand the, the rationale and the, and the feasibility of everything. Like I get it, but there, there is a part of me that's still a little bit sad about that. That said, like that, that episode, episode five of this season, um, the Jedi far and away, my favorite episode of the season, maybe my favorite episode of the show. I just, I, I loved it. Everything about it from like, the the tone and the cinematography and the the way that Ahsoka was portrayed, the way she interacted within um, and Grogu, just I, I adored that episode. I loved it so much. It's like I said, probably my favorite episode so far. And just to refresh the listeners, Matt and Liz, you were both firmly pro Rosario Dawson's performance, correct? Yes, correct. All right, so. I think all of us were maybe expecting Ahsoka to show up again in the finale uh, before we knew what Jedi was going to show up 
mm-hmm. to, to to be the the savior. I think a lot of us thought maybe it was going to be Ahsoka, but as just a one episode character for now, if we didn't know who Ahsoka was through the the animated series, do we feel like her spinoff would be justified just from this one episode? I mean, I think they laid the groundwork. We don't know what her relationship with this Thrawn character is. Uh, we understand that she is at least a associated with the Jedi, has some of the trappings we would, you know, give to Jedi, um, and has a clear motive. So I think that's enough to know going into a series. Um Obviously, knowing her story, knowing, you know, everything else around it makes it much more interesting. But I think it's enough to at least get a jump into something. Anybody disagree with Matt? No, no, not necessarily. It is. It's really hard for me to separate how much i know though because i was I was talking to a friend who has not watched any of the clone wars or rebels and really has like no affinity for that stuff and just the way that they uh, interact with and approach the series is just so different than i do and it's really hard for me to separate those two things so what did they think i really i really have trouble getting in that like frame of mind i, I actually don't know if they've gotten to that episode yet mm. um they uh they had just started watching it um, once it had finished, and I think maybe got a few episodes in. So I, I don't know if they even got to that episode yet. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what Matt said, and I, I feel like maybe um, one of my friends who is not a big Star Wars fan, um, just, you know, in general, or doesn't have much Star Wars knowledge, background knowledge in general, um, that was one of her favorite episodes with Ahsoka. Um, which I thought was interesting. She's watched all of season two. I mean, that's that's good to hear. I, I think, you know, as I was asking the question, I realized, like, even if you watched that episode, you would have infinitely more knowledge than we had about the titular Mandalorian before this series started. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, all, all mm-hmm. we knew was that he was a Mandalorian. That's literally all that we knew. Um, but I think that there's this... There's this long simmering just love of Mandalorian visuals. Like every kid I knew thought Boba Fett was the coolest looking Star Wars character. Yeah. Right? There, 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 yeah. There's just there's just this real affinity for Mandalorian aesthetics. And so I feel like once we saw the costume and all of that, it's pretty hard to not it's pretty hard for Star Wars fans to not get excited about that. Whereas I feel like Ahsoka has a couple of things going against her. I think that people who haven't watched the Clone Wars or Rebels oftentimes probably think of them as being sort of, uh, I don't want to say superfluous Star Wars media. I don't mean, I just mean certainly second tier Star Wars media or maybe mm-hmm. um, like unimportant Star Wars media. Yeah, it's just a cartoon for kids. Yes, exactly. And, and so I think that people might look at it from that way. I think that, you know, there was so much backlash to having a shocked face female Jedi in uh, Rise of Sk- in the sequel trilogy, people were so mad about that. So like you have that going against it. I think it, was it-, it is really funny though. I, this is just anecdotal to me, but 
so many I know so many people in in my circles who hate Ray but love Ahsoka. <laughs> and and I have such a hard time like parsing out why. Um I yeah, I, I it's a it's a weird phenomenon to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but but anyway, when I sort of the overall point was just I feel like this is not a slam dunk um it's not a slam dunk series just from like fan perspective. I think that there's there's a loud enough section of the internet of which we are all a part of now that are pro Ahsoka that I think people will be willing to give it a chance because of the enthusiasm of other folks. But I think it would have been a, I I think it would have been an actually a much harder sell if the Mandalorian spun out of an Ahsoka show versus the other way around. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And it's also odd that you mentioned like. I I maybe because of the trajectory that season three is going to take, but it seems like this show is setting up Bo-Katan for a spinoff, not Ahsoka. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I I mean, I guess this is almost kind of getting into like the question of where we think things are going next. But I, I think Bo-Katan is going to be like an integral part of the Mandalorian moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, I, I have one very particular thought about that, but we'll save that for just a minute from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I had been texting you guys on Friday about the post credit sequence of this episode, which launched you know, the book of Boba Fett, I assumed, and I think a lot of people did, that that was going to be season three of The Mandalorian. Y- but yes. today that was announced not to be the case. It's a separate show starting in December. Um, I'm going to predict it's probably going to be a shorter show. I can't imagine them doing eight episodes on Boba Fett. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, but it's interesting to me that they they announced the Mandalorian on the Disney Investors Call as coming at Christmas, and Boba Fett is coming in December. So mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like a three or four episode series that will then lead into the Mandalorian. I can't see them running concurrently. Can you? I. I was watching um, Good Morning America this morning, and they interviewed John Favreau, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he mentioned that the Boba Fett show was going to be on first okay. um, book of Boba Fett, and then mm. I think The Mandalorian. Okay. Yeah, I meant to go back and check the wording from the Disney Investor Call because I I read that someone say that Kathleen Kennedy actually just said that the next chapter of Mandalorian would be coming in December oh. of 2021. And we all took that to mean season three. Oh, um, I, I meant to verify that, but I, I forgot about it. So that would maybe be something to look into. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get just Boba Fett in December. Mm-hmm. And then maybe once that wraps, we get season three. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, they could connect. They couldn't. I have. I have literally no idea what the hell that show would be about. But <laughs> same. <laughs> well, same. Let's talk about it, right? So, Boba Fett is a character that I don't think any of us like. I don't think any of us would have put Boba Fett at the top of our characters we hope to see the Mandalorian introduce list. Um, but no, I, I believe he he was top on the ones we don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I have to say. 
Like, if I have to watch Boba Fett stuff, this is the best Boba Fett stuff I've ever seen. Yeah, because who's with him? That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's really the showrunner. Yeah. I mean, uh, F- Fennec Shand, I believe is the name. Mm-hmm. Shand? Yes. Or, yeah. Uh, Fennec she... will also be in another series. Uh-huh. She's in Bad Batch. Oh, really? Yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bad Batch listeners, for those who were tuning in this last time, is also happening. Yes. We, 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 we totally forgot to mention Bad Batch <laughs> on our Disney Investors Call uh, episode. I did not realize Fennec was a part of that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's in the trailer. Go go rewatch it. And um, she has her distinctive helmet on. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool, actually. That makes me a little bit more excited for Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but anyway, um, you know, I, I think that the Boba Fett stuff was was handled about as well as I could imagine a Boba Fett TV series being set up. But I'm interested mm-hmm. to hear what, what other folks say. I, I, I want to start with Matt here because I think Matt was the most vocal anti-Boba voice we had. That's true. That's true. I mean, he spent a lot of his screen time sniveling about his dad, um, which is exactly what you would expect from Boba Fett. Um, Especially like Clone Wars Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm really a Mandalorian. Um, but I, old man Boba is best Boba. I'll admit it. Um, just grumpily killing people. Uh, I think maybe I could get behind that. Um, but again, I, I don't know what the show is going to be. I got I, I, like crossing off old grudges. We know he doesn't get to kill Han Solo. Somebody else does that, you know? <laughs> right. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. Or Obi-Wan. Um, or Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Mace Windu comes back. Oh. <laughs> could be. Could he be. Gets, he gets revenge on Mace. Yeah. <laughs> so I I don't know what it I don't know what it could be, but I'm 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 not necessarily interested. Do I think it made a good you know Facebook wall picture? Sure. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't. I. Oh, whatever. I'll watch it begrudgingly. Um. But I don't have high hopes. Liz? Um, well, I, I will say I have no idea what the show will be about at all, just to reiterate what Matt was saying. Um, I, I really have no clue whatsoever. Um, and I, I know I wasn't super excited about Boba Fett appearing in The Mandalorian either, when he did show up and started fighting, I was like, oh, well, I, I guess this is the best Boba Fett they can give us. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I can enjoy this Boba Fett with the staff just smashing some stormtroopers. <laughs> um, it was something, you know, a little different. Um, I, I think I've mentioned before how I enjoy someone, a character that's a little more grizzled. And I feel like this could be a, described as a grizzled Boba Fett. That, sure. he's still whining about his dad a little bit um in a more grizzled manner perhaps <laughs> um i inevitably i will watch the show for sure because i'll watch pretty much any star wars show that uh they're going to put out but yeah i really have no idea what it's going to be about at all zach how are you feeling about the show i mean i 
I'm kind of just whatever on it. Like like you guys said, I'll I'll watch it. I have no idea what to expect. Um, but I did like Boba in this way more than I expected to. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons that you that you guys already kind of said. Um, he I've seen two or I've heard kind of two major complaints about Boba that I gen like just genuinely don't agree with. The first one being that he is um like his characterization here is like running counter to his previous portrayals and that he is like honorable and and you know good or whatever you know that he helps mando he helps finnick which like i don't i don't like care boba fett was like not a character before this so it really <laughs> it really like does not matter to me this this is like this is my favorite Boba Fett, so that works. Um, and like, I I saw or have heard people complaining about him using the the like, um, you know, I'm a simple man, like my father before me line. Which, as someone who constantly quotes like dopey things that his dad said growing up, I totally relate to that. Like, of course, <laughs> when I, I like when I'm 40, 50 years old, I'll still be saying those dopey things, and I'll think it's so clever and smart <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and everyone else will think I'm an idiot. So I really relate with this Boba um, a lot. And Finnick is great. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's, I, I don't know what to expect. I kind of hope it's them. Um, I, I don't know why Boba would be motivated to do this, but I kind of hope it's them like trying to like clean up Tatooine. And I hope we see Cobb Vanth come back and interact in that way um but i haven't i really have no idea see it's interesting you mm. say that zach i i kind of see not them cleaning up tatooine but rather replacing the huts as the crime syndicate of tatooine mm -hmm. um, yeah which i think is interesting i i can understand you know people who are saying that i guess the characterization is odd I don't think it's going against prior characterization because, as you said, there was so little to begin with. But, like, you know, Boba Fett tracks down Mando because he wants the armor, right? And then he gets the armor and he sticks around to help the kid. And that might seem a little bit too honorable for for somebody who I guess is theoretically a bad guy who's supposed to be a villain of some kind, but we really don't know. I, I feel like that's a weird logic. We know Boba Fett is a, is a bounty hunter as is the Mandalorian as is Din. <laughs> and so like, yeah, if, yeah, you're, yeah. if you're quibbling with his morality, then shouldn't you also be quibbling with Din's morality? And if you're okay with Din being changed by an event in his life, shouldn't you then be okay with Boba being changed by that? You know, you know what this goes into? Um, and this will rile up all the all the wrong people, and so I'm sorry if you guys get a ton of hate mail or whatever. But like, I'd love to get mail the, in general. Oh, okay, <laughs> well maybe you guys will get some mail. This is the same like over mythologizing of a character that is like what happens with Luke and like led to the Luke backlash in Last Jedi. Um, just like scores of fans who have been watching Star Wars for multiple decades but actually like don't understand it, or, or like give a lot of like conscious thought to the text but like create their own text mm -hmm. and like their own idea of like who these characters are and so like this 
mythologizing of Boba Fett as this, um, you know, un, unbeatable badass who even Darth Vader respects and, and, you know, just, just the toughest guy around, which like in the text, that's actually not there at all. And no. it's never been there. No, he gets his ass kicked by a blinded farmer boy, Luke in <laughs> no, the Han, canon. Han, 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 Han no, is blinded. No, 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 no. I'm talking about in the comic books. Oh, okay. When oh. they went back and they rewrote Boba oh, Fett to right. give you more badass storyline, he gets his ass kicked on Tatooine by a blind farm boy, Luke. Because even when you try and make Boba Fett badass by him lighting a guy in a bar on fire, he just doesn't stand up. And also, yeah, you can change from having a life-changing experience. Whatever. It, it, he, it's a fictional character. It, he, yeah, he's stood in the background of five scenes in Star Wars and people idolize him. No, I'm totally with his act. They, they've created a narrative that just isn't there. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I do think it's interesting to see, like, what a Boba Fett crime lord series would look like. Um, because to me, it's like, I I keep comparing The Mandalorian to a Western, and I think that that's a, a fair comparison, but I feel like this has the opp opportunity to be the most Western of any of the shows. Yeah, well, he has like a straight out of Magnificent Seven line in it. He's just, he's the cowboy is too old for this shit. Exactly. Like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Any other lingering Boba thoughts? Um, I I, I will say I I don't care why he didn't take the dent out of his helmet, and the internet's got to really just calm the hell down. He just got <laughs> it back. He just got yeah. it back. Yeah, but he repainted the rest of it. Uh, I think you know I think Beskar it, it, is probably pretty hard to buff. Mm, true, but you know, that's that's the real continuity error. Is how did, how did the dent even get there? If it is Beskar, but mm. who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's so much that doesn't matter. Okay. He did he did have maybe one of my favorite lines of the whole season, which was I think in episode seven where. He he's like talking about they're talking about breaking into the imperial base and he's like oh I think they might recognize my face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I like that. I, I also really liked the interaction between him and Bo-Katan in the last episode where yeah. she said like I've seen a thousand or I've heard your voice a thousand times and he says it might be the last one you ever hear. I thought that was that was just a good a good little tete a tete between the two of them. That's actually something that I feel like I kind of missed in this whole series were sort of lines like that. I feel like they were so few and far between that those few stood out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just something that was so typical of, you know, the original trilogy. Um, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, you only had Bill Burr in one episode again this season. <laughs> He's really kind of the somehow, again, the bright and shining star of this show one-liners, action, everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bill Burr. I <laughs> I didn't love the prison the prison episode in the first season, but man, he he won me over with his appearance <laughs> in this season. He was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mayfeld. Uh, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't show up in one of the spinoffs.
Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, let, let's move over to, to Luke Skywalker here. The, 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 the cameo that was so obvious we all thought it wouldn't possibly happen. <laughs> happened. Yeah. So is, go ahead, Liz. Sorry. I was going to say, which is what we texted each other. Yes. Yeah. So um, as, as everyone on this call knows, I have an alarm set. I'm going to change it actually right now. I'm going to change it while we're on the call. I have a 5.30 a.m. Friday alarm set. So I can get up and watch The Mandalorian before my kids wake up and, and need, you know, sustenance and assistance from their father. And so it's, you know, by this point, it's you now you know, 6.10 or so in the morning. And I see that X-Wing pull up. And I'm like, I, I went, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Out loud. I'm saying this to myself. And I'm like, no, no. And then I, I'm watching this. And as soon as the X-Wing shows up, you know who that is, right? Like that's, it was very, it was very clear. But I have to say, like, with the exception of the janky CGI, which is, I know it's the best they can do, I get it. With the exception of the janky CGI, I thought the Luke cameo was handled really well. I thought that it made sense within the story. Like, that's When I was writing about this episode, I, I, I kept coming back to this point where I was saying, like, if we know this timeline, we know there aren't many Jedi out there, if it's not Ahsoka... And if Ezra is still missing, which we presume he is, what other Jedi would be there but Luke? It just it just mm -hmm. it made so much sense that it was going to be Luke, but we all just thought they wouldn't go there. Um, but it was handled really well. And I saw something today that I'm mad at myself for not thinking of before. Somebody compared the Luke sequence in this episode. It's the polar opposite of Vader in Rogue One. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Where yeah. it, it's it's Luke just tearing through what the Empire thinks is are their unstoppable machines, and Rogue One is Vader tearing through the Rebellion, right? But like it's the same level of sort of uh, badassery that we see there. Mm -hmm. That was really well done. I thought everything Luke said. He says, he says very little in the scene. I think everything he said was was sort of true to the character. And I thought overall it was a it was a pretty damn good cameo, considering how bad it could have been. Um, Liz, what <laughs> yeah. what did you think of the Luke cameo? I I mean I think I agree with really all of the things you said. Uh, you know, the minute that X Wing showed up, I felt like it was Luke. Um, I, yeah, and I feel like I just agree. I don't know if I can really add anything right now either. Um, I. To what you said, um, I'm trying to think. We can come back to you. Yeah, Matt, what did you think? Oop, you, Matt. Oh, me. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, I didn't know if it was me or Zach. Uh, I really, really liked it. Um, obviously, I mean, I've been very critical of the CGI stuff. I think it looked good if he didn't talk. Um, yes. That threw it all off. But just 
seeing the Luke Skywalker that I'd always wanted to see since being a child um, and never getting a chance to see, like the Luke that I read about as a kid and the Luke of just the legends, this in-between era, the Battle of Jakku Luke who can take down an entire, you know, Star Destroyer on his own. Um, seeing that on screen was just so satisfying. Um, and seeing him for no reason other than it was the right thing to do, devoting his life to this child that he had never met, um, felt just spot on for Luke that this was now what his life was because it's what it was supposed to be. Um, it's just really moving. I really wonder how much of that decision, everything you just said, I wonder how much of that is is sort of cover for The Last Jedi. That that now, now you can see, now you can accept broken old man Luke because you've seen badass Luke. I think people were upset they never got to see the badass Luke. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's why... Maybe, maybe maybe this provides some cover for the last Jedi. Yeah, that that brings up something I've been thinking a lot about, and and it's just that how how different things might be if we had gotten this before we got the sequel trilogy. Um, not on that on that level of what you're talking about with just like getting to see this Luke before seeing the old broken Luke, but then also just like. I, I agree with everything that you guys said. I, I generally, aside from, you know, some of the wonkiness of the CG aside, I, I genu- genuinely really enjoyed this moment. Um, but I think it is all kind of undercut by the fact that we already know where Luke is going. And even even him going to take Grogu away has a bit of a time constraint on it. Like, we know that something's going to happen. Something's going to have to happen to separate them again within the next like decade. We hope we We would hope we hope we hope. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of like a prequels situation all over again, where you're telling this story that you already know the ending to in a way. Mm -hmm. And, and it's still like part of you still wants to see that story but I think it is it loses something by you already knowing the ending and the trajectory. Do we know how long, like what year? So all Star Wars time is told from the Battle <laughs> of Yavin, right? So yeah. this series is four, nine years after the Battle of Yavin. Yeah. Do, do we know when The Force Awakens is? Mm, yeah. What is that it's, date? So it's well, it's thirty years after Return of the Jedi, which is like five years after Battle of Yavin. So like, like thirty-five ish years. So, so so it's basically twenty-five years after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and what do we think? Ben Solo destroyed the temple ten years before Force Awakens. I think it was or that much. I think it was five years before. Five years before. All right. I so want to say. So technically, but don't there's me on that. there there could be twenty-ish years of Luke and Grogu stories. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically. Um Yes. Yeah, because we can assume that 
the like rise of the legend of Luke Skywalker type stuff can happen before this when he's globetrotting before setting up the Academy. Yeah. Yeah. This little, it'll make sort of sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's, so Zach had sent me uh, a text today with a link to a, a less than reputable website, not like multiversitycomics.com, which, um, very reputable. Yes. Extremely yeah. reputable, which, um, said that there is a Luke Skywalker series in the works at Disney Plus. Mm. If that's the case, I I legitimately hope it's animated. Yeah, one. I can't imagine it being not. Or everyone keeps talking about how they want to cast Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker, and I I understand the impulse for that, but to me it's so weird to have the same person play the old and young version of a character, but have somebody else play the middle version. It's yeah, just... I mean we well, we recast Han Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's not a middle part, but I don't know. It would be like it would be like if somehow Alec Guinness played both prequels Obi Wan and a and trilogy original trilogy Obi Wan, but Hugh McGregor just played him in the Obi Wan Kenobi series. Yeah, <laughs> it it would be weird, but I think they they have to tell more Luke stories. Mm-hmm. And they held off that. for so long at this point, you know, I, I would honestly really be, uh, I think if this cameo hadn't happened, I would say like, absolutely. Yeah. Luke Skywalker animated series. But I think since they've already like opened this Pandora's box, it would have to be live action. And at this point I would really rather them just go ahead and recast. I would almost kind of rather them try to find like a no name actor that looks like, Mark Hamill, rather than go with Sebastian Stan, just because he's like such a big name, even though he does look exactly like Mark Hamill. Um, I'm kind of tired of fan casting um, as a thing. So I don't know. I, I think, think they need to be careful with it. Um, because Luke is such a unique character and there's so many ways to go wrong with it. Mm. Um, in ways that Ryan Johnson did not. Ryan Johnson got it right in my book, but it's such a sad character. And even when he wins, he feels the weight of the losing side. Like it's such a complex character that I don't know if, you know, an adventure series is really the way to go with it. And I'm worried that that's the path they would go down. I saw a really great article today. I think it was on, either Polygon or io9 maybe I'll I'll find it and send it to you guys after this but it was kind of just like a breakdown of what Luke what we know that Luke did from like canon material after return of the jedi and it kind of mm-hmm. paints this picture of him as this this kind of just nomad who slips in and out of history mm-hmm. um very secluded as opposed like compared to like Han and Leia who are very much involved in galactic events on a, on a large scale. Luke just kind of just goes and does his own thing and lives this quiet secluded life while he looks for Jedi stuff. And that sounds awesome. Um, but I don't really know how you make a show out of that necessarily. See, I, I mean, that sorry, people I, would like at least. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if that's the kind of show a lot of people want to see. I feel like a lot of us might like to see that, but, and I'm not sure that's the kind of show they would make. 
Can I tell you my wild theory? Yes. Please. My wild theory is that that Star Wars Visions anime show is a Luke anthology show. Mm. I could, I was going to say, I could see it being something like that, like the Star Wars Animatrix style thing, which we've seen them do already with the Luke canon material. Um, just continuing with that vein of it. Yeah. Right. But just like these, these short, like isolated stories, just snapshots from Luke's life. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not a series that has like an overarching plot that goes from A to Z. But these just like snapshots throughout his life of him doing stuff. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. But that brings us to a really good place for sort of where the series is going from here. You know, there is uh, we see Grogu go with Luke. We see Din demask like without mm. without really um, a second hesitation to do it. And then he didn't quickly put the mask back on either. You know, it seemed like he has turned a corner in in maybe his understanding of the Mandalorian religion or of his beliefs. Um, you know, we see him wield the Darksaber, which Bo-Katan wants but can't have unless she bests him in combat. And he doesn't want that. And I don't think she wants that. Mm-hmm. We, we see... Um, Moff Gideon has been captured, and we see Boba and Fennec um, at the at Jabba's palace. We talked about that one already, so let's leave that aside. But where do you guys see this series going? I, I have a very specific idea, but I want to hear what Liz has to say first. Oh, all right. Um, where do I think things are headed? Well, I feel like Bo-Katan's got to have... I feel like she's going to play a large role in whatever is going to happen next. Um, And I don't know what that next will be exactly. Um, Are are we going to get back to Mandalore at all? Will Din be involved that deeply going back to, you know, and I don't know if you would consider Mandalore, I don't know, his home based on how he was raised or anything like that. Um, But that's really, I think, as far as I've really thought. Other discussions I feel like I've had are just if, you know, we'll see Baby Yoda again, and I don't think we will in the series. I think he's he's gone for good. Um, One thing I did want to mention is that I really did like just the character development of Din and this these two seasons um i feel like the way he changed was really um uh, what word am i looking for um i'm not even sure i i just feel like it was very realistic um and that was something i enjoyed just brian even you mentioned the way he took up his helmet here at the end um you know to say goodbye to baby yoda um i i just really enjoyed his journey and the way he changed throughout these two seasons it's pretty incredible how much growth there was from an actor who says very little and rarely shows his face. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zach, what did you where do you think everything's going? So I can't get this idea out of my head of Din as this like Aragorn esque man who comes from nothing, who begrudgingly must be king. <laughs> now 
Um, and I have this idea of either like two two directions this could go, where either Bo-Katan is like an adversary to him because she basically feels like she has to kill him in order to like claim legitimacy. And so he is like on the run from her and there's this like builds to this almost kind of like Mandalorian civil war, or she becomes this like begrudging advisor to him trying to push him to take Mm. the throne and like unite Mandalore. Um, Which like, maybe that's like too grand of scope to like expect this series to go, but I definitely think we're going to Mandalore. I feel like that, just has to happen the threads are like the all the all the foundation has been laid for that um but i just i really like this idea of like din you know he's like such a i i i don't know if humble is necessarily the right word but he's just like such a simple person he he has very few like personal desires or or needs he kind of just wants to be left alone and to have this like responsibility thrust on him I think would be really interesting from a story standpoint. He like clearly has claimed to be <laughs> the ruler of Mandalore now, which is wild. Um, <laughs> so I, I, that's kind of where I think the story is going to go. I, I thought it was really well written and interesting when, uh, when Gideon is like, "You dumb dumb bastard," she has to best <laughs> you in combat, and and he basically you says, imbecile, "You fucking moron." Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, but he basically says, "Like I yield, I don't care. Like take it, yeah. take a, take rulership of a planet. I give zero fucks. Like I, I just thought that that was such an interestingly played um, bit of his character, and it just shows that like all he cares about on this show is Grogu. So taking mm-hmm. Grogu out of it, I don't know where the story goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, what do you think is coming up next? I don't know. I I, I do think eventually." Uh, like Zach said, we're going back to Mandalore. I don't know at what point we go there. Um, I think, I mean, the series now is very interesting in the fact where it's called the Mandalorian. And the question of who is actually Mandalorian is very up in the air. Where Boba Fett claims it but is denied due to his, you know, genetic non-birthright. Bo-Katan is... Mandalorian, but no longer has the right to rule. Um, Din may not be Mandalorian anymore because according to his religion, he no longer is allowed to wear the Mandalorian armor. Um, So I think that's one road. But I do see that kind of Game of Thrones-esque path forward as well, where he can be taken in by House Vizsla or, you know, House Wren or House... um, What's the other one? Rao. Um, to go against Bo-Katan, who, for those who haven't, like, watched Clone Wars, it's it's weird to think of her as only a good guy because she's been on the right side of things for maybe five minutes before the series starts. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and, and she turns on a dime to go from being evil, ready to overthrow the rule of her sister to being now the hero of Mandalore. Um, so to see her turn again is not that surprising. 
Um, but I, I think there's a lot of really interesting stories to play. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm very confused. I mean, no Grogu is sad. You know, more Sasha Banks is good. I don't know, you know, what else to really say about season three. So I think that, you know, there have been rumors that Pedro Pascal does not want to keep doing this. I believe that is that's all bullshit. He's pretty much said that's all bullshit. But there's a big part of me that thinks if this – Star Wars is not bold enough to do this. But the third season could open with him looking at Luke going into the elevator and Bogotan just shooting him in the head and taking the, the oh my uh, god the like because if he wants off the show that gets him out and she is now the Mandalorian and like cool. I, I think there is a way to do that Star Wars will never do that no no absolutely not um, I mean it I, I was gonna say Matt did bring up Game of Thrones and it is Pedro Pascal so I mean yeah I mean he yeah, him taking it in the head is really just you know happens par for the course yeah yeah but where do we i mean i don't know okay i'm, I'm a lot of very scattered thoughts because i know we're bringing in a lot of other series at this point but where do we see this version of the empire going because this version of the empire does not exist by the time we see the new trilogy or maybe it does and we don't look at it because this is not the first order. This is a separate and apart empire from that and possibly separate and apart from Thrawn's empire. So I don't, there's a lot of different ways we can go even not taking the factions of Mandalore into account, but taking the factions of the empire into account. So, so that might be a path forward too. In the Aftermath trilogy, it basically, there are all these factions of the Empire that are, basically every Moth has declared himself the new Emperor, essentially. Okay. And so there's this, like, there are these warring factions, and there's a point where they try to have, like, a peace accord, and it, it does not go very well. But that all of that happens about the same time that this is happening. So I, I think that this is sort of par for the for the canon course in just that there is a, um, you know, there's just this power struggle happening because there's this power vacuum, right? There's nobody really to lead. And, like, Operation Cinder, which is mentioned in the Mayfeld episode, was basically um, the Star Wars equivalent of the firebombing at Dresden, except it was as if the Germans were firebombing. Like, mm -hmm. it's the, the Emperor has said, essentially... You have to take out all of these places because uh, there can be no, like, false emperors. We have to basically nip all this in the bud and so just, just destroys these planets. And so that that is happening at the same time that the emperor is requesting that other people go off into the unknown regions and those people become their first order. Uh, so there, there's all of these like weird imperial machinations happening. I don't know how much empire we're gonna get going forward. I think this was specifically like a Moff Gideon story, not an empire story. Okay, but I but I, mean, I could be obviously totally wrong about that. That's that's just sort of where my gut tells me this is going. Um, but I, I I don't know if I agree with Liz that we're not gonna see any Grogu. I think we're not gonna see Grogu for a little while. But I think we're gonna see Grogu again, like an angsty teenager. 
Well, so I I had I had seen I love that idea by the way. Like uh, you know, um, like teenage think, Groot. Is yeah. Luke going to teach Grogu how to how to speak? And if he does, is he going to talk normally or is he going to talk like Yoda? Because what? I don't think it would make sense if he talked like Yoda. How would he learn that? That's excellent point. Yeah, that, um, he'll always have to be a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that, so I had actually I had seen somebody pitch that the Mandalorian series should end with like a movie with old man Din and slightly older Grogu. <laughs> like, I honestly think you're probably not far off. I yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if all of this caps off in like a maybe not a theatrical film, but like mm-hmm. a like a giant Disney Plus movie. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's what I think is so fun about where this season left off is that the possibilities are are so unbelievably open. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you know the stuff go you know the stuff on Mandalore, does he go back to being a bounty hunter? It seems like his life is totally different than when he was a bounty hunter. Is he still going to want to do that? Is he going to essentially um, you know try to reconcile with his clan? Is he now, you know, at one point in, I think it's in the season one finale, the, the, um, what is the name of the character? The, is it the forger? Whoever the armorer. person, the armorer. The armorer. She, she says, you are now a clan of two. And so like, because Grogu is gone, is he now a clan of one? Is he just his own? Is he going to start recruiting people to his clan? Like the one man wolf pack? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, like is there's there are so many places that this could go. And that's that's leaving out Ahsoka and leaving out Boba Fett and you know, leaving out leaving out Grief Karga and yeah, leaving the out Rangers Cara of Dune. the New Empire or yeah, uh, New, Republic. New Republic. Yeah. Um it's like you know, there's there are so many things there. I I was convinced that if Boba Fett was going to be the seek the the uh, focal point of the Mandalorian, that Din was going to join the Rangers of the New Republic with it was like a him and Cara Dune series. Um, but we're not getting that now. Here's a bonus question for everybody. Sure. sure. Um, so we've seen a lot of cameos now with season two. Who is your number one cameo you want to see in season three? Who from the Star Wars universe would you like to revisit? In this next season, because we saw Luke, we saw Ahsoka. Who's your number one, Brian? Oh boy. Um, see, this is hard because of like almost anybody I'd want to see from the original trilogy. We've already seen someplace, mm-hmm. and like again, it's weird to have somebody else play the five years older Wedge Antilles when <laughs> we see yeah. the original actor play Wedge Antilles in the uh, in the Rise of Skywalker, right? Um, Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I, I guess I'm gonna say some of the rebels crew. Okay. To, to me, like either Sabine or um, or Hera, I would Hera love with to the see. Alpha. This is this is I, the time Hera. of the Alphabet Squadron, right? Yes. Just I think this is slightly I, after Alphabet Squadron. I mm-hmm. I feel like Hera has to be in New Republic. Yeah. That that's my number one. That's I would like to see Hera. Liz, how about you? I don't know. I feel like since I haven't watched Rebels, I don't have many options of people to choose from. Really. 
I'll, I'll throw one more out there. It would be weird because he'd be playing two roles, but Rex, I'd love to see. Mm. I've Ooh. seen some stuff about... Okay, not... I've seen some stuff about not Rex, but Cody. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but it's all just... I mean, it's all just rumors and speculation. Mm-hmm. I mean, to yeah. be fair... Even, Ra- even older man Rex. Right, exactly, yeah. To be fair, I mean, Rangers of the New Republic could essentially be live-action Rebels. Yeah. It yeah. could, yeah. <laughs> There's no reason that it couldn't be, mm-hmm. which is which is be. wild. Uh-huh. I mean, we've seen Lothcats already in live-action, so have. why not? We have. Zach, who's your number one cameo? Um. So we already know that he's going to be in one show. Um Hayden Christensen and Obi-Wan, but the mm-hmm. only thing that I have left that I need to see in Star Wars before I could just blissfully check out forever and be okay is having Ahsoka like reconcile with Anakin Force Ghost mm. um, to kind of close off that circle. So I, I just really want that to happen. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Mm. Well, Thanks wow. for listening, folks. That this was uh, this was really fun to dig into the Mandalorian season two. We'll be back in a couple of days, a couple of weeks, whenever it's going to be with another episode. <laughs> um, thank you, Zach, for hopping on. Well, thank you for having me on to just jabber and and yap and eat up time. But I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and remember, the force will be with you always.